Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. As you can tell, we've got on our t-shirts. We're finishing up 180 weekend and appreciate all the host homes and those that drove and taught. But we are here today. And there, if there is any morning that exemplifies the very definition of what is church, it is the place where the redeemed gather. We gather to worship the one true God that has took on flesh and revealed Himself to the person of Christ. We come to hear the Word proclaimed. And we come to celebrate the ordinances. This is church. And we are glad to be here. And I hope you got your Bible. Galatians 5. If you're new with us, if you're visiting, we preach expositionally through a book of the Bible. And what that means is we pick sections of Scripture or a book of the Bible and we just study it every verse. And by God's providence, we... Or just happen to be here at Galatians 5 verse 13. And there couldn't be a better place to finish 180 this morning. So let's stand in honor of God's word. Galatians 5. We're going to read verses 13 to verse 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So Lord, as we have been working through Galatians, it has done its work. It has done its work on me. And I pray that it has done a work in your people. It has called people to Yourself. It has brought us to repentance over the sin in our life. And that we know that this is love. And so now, Lord, help us. It's been a busy weekend. Help us to focus. Lord, we desperately long to see what does this freedom look like when it walks and talks? What does it look like with my friends and our family? Lord, help me. What does it look like to love my wife this way? What does it look like to be loved this way? So that we may live in freedom for the glory of your name. Lord, this is our desire. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. As I studied, as I studied this week for the message, I ran across an illustration We've been working through Galatians, like I said, and this is simply a letter that was written to the churches. So we're reading this letter and we're over halfway through the letter. He's been leaning into a few things. He's got a, they've got false teachers in the church trying to deal with that. Trying to help guard the people from getting derailed. And there was an illustration, and I thought it best exemplified what we've been talking about, and what it really looks like to walk in the light. My, my t-shirt here could say freedom. Walking in freedom. Walking in the light. Walking in the power of the Spirit. Any of these terms we use, we're describing the same thing. But what does it look like? Here's what one brother said. that Living the Christian faith, walking in the light, living in freedom, is a... Narrow bridge over two polluted streams. 
Jesus sort of used this illustration, didn't he? The gate is narrow and the path is hard. We've been talking about these two streams. This is what he's sort of been focused on, the era of the two polluted streams, one being legalism and one being license. One saying somehow I can do X, Y, and Z and earn God's favor. I can work out Work my own salvation out just by doing this. This is what the Judaizers, the false teachers had been teaching. The other extreme is, is what most Americans, most of us struggle with, is that of license. Since God's grace is good and God's grace is free, then the more I sin, the more grace abounds. And so, who cares how I really live? It's easy, brothers and sisters, and you need to hear me today. If we don't do anything, we are prone to fall in one of these streams. And if you do not believe that you are prone to it, you are probably already in it. We are all prone to it. I've had to wrestle with it even this morning. The stream wanting me to walk in it even as I preach. There is a popular notion of Christian freedom that's alive and well today that Paul is simply saying is just trading one bondage for another. That legalism is simply another form of paganism. Neither of which are Christian. But most of which are alive and well in evangelical Christianity. And they must be seen and they must be understand. This is not the narrow bridge. This is not living in the light. Psalms 119.105 just a beautiful picture of that which we've been studying this weekend. Very clear understanding of what very basely this looks like to walk in the light. How do we do it? Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, no word, no Jesus. No Jesus, no light. There is no other way. There is no light that we can have where we take this and don't take Jesus. You, you don't take Jesus, you get no light. You don't take Jesus, you have no peace with God. So what do we want to get today? First John. You might want to mark First John. I know, I know the students have, have looked a lot at First John this, this weekend. You might want to just mark it. I want to, I want to hit a few passages just to underline what, what we've been looking at. But this sort of exemplifies where I want us to think about today. 1 John chapter 3, verses 23. And this, 1 John 3, verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps these commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So we have been studying this. For weeks we have been studying this vertical reality that you can't work to fix this. Sin has separated our relationship with God and it is only by faith in Jesus Christ alone can the vertical be fixed, can be restored, our relationship with God. But now we are clearly turning horizontal this morning. And he ties these two together. That we are to believe in the name of Jesus Christ and what? Love one another. But this walking in the light, this living in freedom, has a beginning point. So now let's turn to Galatians 5. 
and let's see it. Galatians 5, look at verse 13, the very, the very first part. For you are called to freedom, brothers. You see that? For you are called. It's not the first time we've talked about this word calling. Remember, calling is, is a kingly term. It is to be summoned by a king. It says, for you were called to freedom. In other words, listen, it's important this morning. There's only one totally free being, and it's not you. It's God. And it is God that is the totally free being that sent Jesus to the earth to provide our redemption. And He has called us from darkness to light. That means, very clearly this morning, that the, where we must start is not with our choice, but God's calling. It was His initiative. If He didn't take the initiative, you would still be in darkness today. And that starts us where we need to start, on our knees. It's a beautiful, this is the starting point. God called us to light. Therefore, He's telling us this morning that living in the light is not freedom to indulge the flesh. It's not. And so He's, he's going over to this one polluted stream. He's worked hard on the legalism stream. He's going into the license stream this morning and He uses a couple of words. I want us to see it. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So what is the flesh? If just a Basically and simply as I can explain what the flesh is, it is twisted self-centeredness. It looks different ways. It looks like different sins. It looks like different activities. But at the end of the day, if you put it on a pot and boil it down, what you're going to see is a twisted self-centeredness in it. Just what the flesh is. And this is amazing. You see this word opportunity? We're going to see it again later. This is not simply you sinning. This is this idea, and we've got some military guys in here. If you were, if you were launching a military attack, you've got to set up a base camp. The base camp is where all the strategy happens. It is where you launch the offensives. You come back. This is what opportunity is. It says that if your freedom in Christ, the grace He gives you, isn't a base camp for, your, for you to launch off in twisted self-centeredness in your life. And that we must not provide any opportunity. We must, if there is a base camp of self-centeredness in our life today, we must destroy it. Because what bleeds from that is self-indulging sin, self-centeredness. C.S. Lewis, paraphrase, says basically that selfishness and pride is the base camp of all sin. Listen to what he said. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular, and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. The vice I am talking about is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite opposite of it in Christian morals is called humility. He goes on to say that pride is spiritual cancer that robs us of our ability of love, contentment, and even common sense. Isn't that true? Haven't you looked back in your past sinfulness and said, that, was, that doesn't even make sense? <laughs> this is the base camp, and we are free from it in Christ. We are freed from sin, not freed 
to sin. This is what he's saying today. That if we believe we're free to sin, then we're in the polluted stream, not on the bridge. Uh, Micah's just mentioned this, but turn with me to John 8. I want you to see this. This is another passage just underlines this. Remember, we've been talking about that sin is slavery. This is why we are saying that to believe that you're absolutely free is to be in the worst slavery. You are either a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. There is no middle ground. Adam and Eve seems sure of that. When they sinned, they plunged us all in sin. And look what he says, John 8, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is what? Talk to me. A slave to sin. Verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free of what? Free of being a slave to sin. That's what we're free to. We're free from being a slave to it anymore. We are free. Galatians 5.24 tells us what living in the light looks like. It looks like crucifying our flesh. That's the self-centeredness. That's the twisted self-centeredness. This, this is the object of our attack in our own life. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Look back up at verse 16. Walking in the light is walking in the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, you will not satisfy the fallen desires of your twisted selfishness. This is your flesh. In verse 23, we're going to talk about this more later, says that this living in the light looks like putting on the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is self-control. Listen to me, this is awesome. Through the power of the Spirit, because of His grace, He gives you the power to control something that used to control you. It's still there. Not till we get to heaven will it be gone. But now we've been given the power to war, to crucify that which exalts self and does not glorify God. And listen, there is rampant in our generation the misuse of legalism as an excuse to sin. When the Bible says that we as believers should do this or that, to disobey it is sin. To use, well, I'm not under the law, I'm not under grace. That doesn't really matter. Don't tell me what to do. You're just being a legalist. No, we're not. We're being biblical. That's not legalism. To, a, to try to avoid the threat of legalism and use it as a license to sin is simply to fall headlong into the stream of the polluted stream that will stop you in your spiritual life. And so, living in freedom is not an indulgence of the flesh. It's not an excuse to exercise our selfishness. And listen, it is not freedom to dis disregard the law either. Look at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now he's quoting Leviticus. Leviticus. 19.18. Just simply says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, we've been studying for weeks 
For weeks we've been saying that we are free from the law. Free from the curse of the law. And, and now, look at what it says. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled. So what is it? Is this a contradiction? And is Paul confused? Did he stay up too late writing his letter? He said, well, now we're freedom from the law. And now this says his freedom fulfills the law. What? what how do we understand this? We'll flip back to verse 3. Galatians 5, verse 3. This is doing versus fulfilling. Look at doing. Remember, there's a vertical and a horizontal. Let's go back to the vertical for a second. I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he is obligated, that's the doing, to keep. He is obligated to do the whole law. Why? Because he's added circumcision onto grace and he says, I can do this myself. He says, well, congratulations. If you choose to, to fix your own problem with God, then you have to obey the law completely. That's the doing. It's not what he's talking about now. He has turned now clearly into the horizontal. Verse 14 is speaking of fulfilling. In other words, Paul's not talking about justification. He has turned the corner. He's talking about how do we live in the power of the Spirit? How are you going to live in the light? And listen, if you want to live in the light, but you want to direct the very word that gives you light, you are not living in the light. It's the only way that we know how to live. We are free from trying to justify ourselves with the law. And we are free now to obey it. Not because we have to to earn our salvation, but because Christ earned it for us. And now we are free to obey. And this is what Romans 13.8 says. Romans 13.8 says, Owe no man anything except what? To love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandments, listen, are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. So what is he saying? He's saying once we realize that Christ redeemed us, He takes a scale off our eyes, He unstops our ears, He changes our very nature, we look at the Ten Commandments and we say, Oh, He's simply showing me how I need to love you. And how I must not do if I to love you. Then we get over to Jesus and He said, if you think about a woman wrongly, in your mind you've committed adultery. Why? Because that is not how Christians love. Just what He's saying. This is good. You get the freedom to that. This is Spirit empowered. We are Spirit empowered to live out sacrificial love. In other words, the bridge the Holy Spirit indwells us to empower us to walk on the bridge. It's also Christ modeled. Christ is not telling us to go somewhere that He has not followed, walked, and we are following Him. Isn't that discipleship? Follow me as I follow Christ. We're all on this bridge. 1 John 2.6, if you still got 1 John marked, Christ modeled this. Here's what John says. Whoever says he abides in him, listen, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Christ is just telling you to follow, follow me. 
That's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's probably a better way to describe yourself in Christian these days is to describe yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we do. Where he goes, we go. What he says, we obey. That's what we're free to do. Christ modeled it. Christ modeled love. We've been through singing about that. And he defines it. So verse 13 then says that we are free. And listen. This freedom is a freedom to not set up a base camp in your life to fulfill your own selfishness. But it's a freedom to something. Listen, it is freedom from temporal pleasure to pursue a greater pleasure. That's what it's free to. That's just, this is so basic this morning, but so good. Living in freedom finds its joy, its greater pleasure in selfless service to others. It is saying that this thing the world has to offer is not as pleasurable as what Christ has given me. It's not as pleasurable as what having Him. So we are free. What? Look at verse 13. The end of verse 13. Can't get any more plain than this and more simple. We are free to prefer each other over ourselves, but through love serve one another. Listen, this makes no sense to someone that's not in Christ. And if this makes no sense to you, we need to examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith. Because the Bible says it is a greater pleasure for a Christian to serve someone else than to be served themselves. This is basic Christianity. We believe, we love. Verse 14, you shall love your neighbor, listen, as yourself. You remember last week we talked about the lies, the false messages that we believe? We said one of the messages that is even peddled from the pulpit is that you just need to love yourself more. What does the Bible assume here? Read Ephesians 5, same thing. The Bible assumes, it presumes this one absolute truth. You love yourself. Isn't it true? Me and Chris get hungry, what we don't do? We're going to eat. I get cold, I'm going to put on a jacket. Someone comes and starts to stick a knife to my throat. I'm going to defend myself. Why? Because I love me. I don't have to try to do that. What God has to save me to do is for me to love you that way. I don't naturally do that. And if I do, I do it because it makes me feel good and not because it's a greater desire. This love loves when it's inconvenient. You see, the Bible assumes we love ourselves. And it says, now you're free to love other people. Brothers and sisters, just think about this with me. And students, never buy into this, that there's some kind of greater desire, that you just need to stay single and live the American dream, or you just need to get married and not have kids to live the dream. They are selling you a bill of goods. The greater pleasure, brothers and sisters, the greater pleasure is to be in a 20-year relationship. And when vacation time comes, and everybody knows this about me, I love the mountains, and my wife loves the beach. When we had the other day, when Micah preached for me and we got off, you know what we were doing? I was on orbits looking at the beach, and she was on orbits looking at the mountains. That Why? Because that's the greater pleasure. The greater pleasure is not me sitting at the mountains with a book and a case of sundrop having a good time. Is that pleasurable? Oh, yeah. 
But going somewhere that my wife wants to go and see in her pleasure is greater. It's greater to sit at the beach and watch my kids play in the ocean than it is for me to sit by myself with a margarita. Don't we understand this? This is the illustration. It's just plain in our day. Plain in our horizontal. Do not buy the lie of sinful selfishness. It will leave you broken and alone. Christ saves us so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Luke 10, 25. The Good Samaritan. Do you remember it? You remember the point? How always Jesus always pits these people who hate each other as an exemplifier of what love's supposed to look like. Remember the, the guy gets robbed. These religious people come walking by who ends up taking care of him but a, but a nasty old Samaritan. A nasty old half-breed. That's what the Jewish people would say. But yet, he used him as a model for love. What did he end up saying? What's the point? Who's your neighbor? Anyone God's providence sets in front of you, that's your neighbor. And you are free to love them like you love yourself. This is what it means to live in light. But not only that, look with me at Galatians 6.10. I keep using Galatians after I'm preaching. I feel like I'm robbing myself of sermons I haven't preached yet. But I want you to see this. We are free to serve our neighbor. We are also free to serve each other. Each other meaning the community of faith. Other Christians. Listen to what, look at what it says. He ties this together. So then, as we have an opportunity, there's your word. There's your base camp, brothers and sisters. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So you see what he's saying? That what this looks like, where this begins is right here. It begins with who's sitting beside of you today. You don't have to pray about that. It begins with those that God has sovereignly put you in a community of faith. But listen, it never stops there. It bleeds out to the highways and the byways. That's where the Samaritan was found. We are free to love the community of faith. And we are free to let it bleed out into a lost and broken and hurting world. But listen to me. This is one of the most important parts of the message. How will they know? How will they know what love is? How will they see the light if you do not love them distinctly different than they're used to being loved by a world? And girls, you need to hear this today. God has made you beautiful. He has not made you bait. He's not made you that way. And how will the world know is if we do not expect to be loved and we do not love distinctly different than the rest of the world loves. We must do it. This is what it means very practically to live as a city on a hill. Brothers, there should be something distinct in the way we love women. In the way we treat someone. We do not look at them like a piece of trash or an animal. Or a piece of bait on a hook. We use all of our power. All of our strength. All of our aggression that God has given us. To provide and to protect. And to nurture and to cherish. This is what it looks like. To live in the light. As a distinction from the rest of the world. We must love differently. We must expect to be loved differently. We are free to do that. But you know this makes no sense today. 
if you're living in isolation. How can the whole law be summed up in loving each other and you don't want to be around anyone else? How can we fulfill the law of Christ? How can we summarize the whole Bible on how I live on Monday if my Mondays are consumed with me and myself in my house separated from us? You are free, brothers and sisters, from isolation. We are not saved to live in isolation. We are saved to live in community with each other. And I want you to hear me today. Because we've been doing this a while. And a pastor carries the souls of people. Even when they leave, he carries them. And here's what I've seen, you need to hear me. I see people beginning to grow in their faith and we see it, don't we? The excitement in their eyes, their love for God's Word. You get in community with other people and what does God do? He begins to flip you over and people begin to see the sin in your life and you begin to see the sin in your life and people begin to see the sin in your marriages. And what do you do? Back away. Because I don't want anybody to see that. Listen, we are free in Christ. God has paid the price. You're not working your salvation. He saved you and He brought you into community. And He's given you the opportunity to grow in imperfectness with other people. We're all imperfect. As we grow, sin is revealed. And so we repent and restore. Do not isolate yourself. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. It's a good word this morning from a theologian and martyr. We are free from isolation and we are free to live in community with each other. Oh, I want you to see that. We wouldn't be killing our brothers and sisters because because we have a different culture or skin color, if we only understood the gospel. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Oh, we need to understand this. These were people who were polar enemies of each other. Jews and Gentiles. In Ephesians 2 verse 13, they ran in to Jesus Christ and His gospel. Listen to what happened. Listen to how he describes it. But now in Christ Jesus... You Jews and Gentiles who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in the place of two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to you who are near. For through Him, we both have access to one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and Him you are also being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God saves you to reconcile you to you Himself and to reconcile us to each other. 
This is living in the light. And I say this out of love, but I want to be clear. It is dangerous to assume you are growing in your faith when you are not growing in community with others. Say it again. It is dangerous to assume you are growing in your faith when you are not growing in community with others because, listen, you may very well be walking in one of these polluted streams and calling it growth. God saves us and brings us into a community and He calls it the church. And here's what He says today. Look at verse 15. Don't you miss verse 15 in Galatians 5. This is the consequence of not walking on the narrow bridge following Christ and walking in it together. Because if I fall in the legalism stream and Chris falls in the license stream, you know what me and Chris are going to do? We're going to kill each other. That's what we're going to do. This is, we're going to bite. We're going to devour. We're going to take chunks off of each other because we have, we have fell off into our own way, into, into the streams of our own selfish desires. And we can call it what we want. We can call it legalism. We can call it license. We can call it perfectionism. But God does not call it Christianity. So, brothers and sisters, praise God for His gospel today. That if we find ourselves walking in one of these streams, we need only to, to look up to Christ and He will restore us. How do we walk in the light? A lot we could say. A lot we have said. But we had already planned communion. And as I thought about it this week, what a beautiful close to how we, how you, and how me walk in the light here's what I must do no matter what's going on in my life no matter how I feel no matter how busy I get we must stop and remember the work of Christ it's just what we're doing why was it necessary what did it accomplish how much time have you given to thought? What actually happened on that tree? What did it actually mean that God took your wrath? What did it really mean? Father turned his back on his son who had been in fellowship with him for all of eternity. What did it, what does it mean? What did it actually accomplish? Potential salvation for anybody. He bore your sin debt, yours, on that tree. And since he paid it, it is gone. And I am free to live as Christ has designed me to be for the first time in my life. If you haven't, if you haven't experienced that, the Bible simply tells you to repent and believe in the gospel. And he will save you. But for those who have believed, I now call you to the table. I invite you. So let's pray. Lord, as we come to this very intimate, special, even sacred moment, Lord, We want to pause 
can say, Lord, I wouldn't be walking in the light if it wasn't for you. You didn't have to. You didn't have to save me. I didn't deserve it. But I am saved because of the power of your spirit and because someone declared the gospel to me. And so, Lord, what do I have to brag about? What does the person who declares the gospel I have to brag about? For it is you who saved. And so now, Lord, would you receive our worship? Lord, we just want to come to the table and, and do what you've said, to obey you through remembering. And Lord, as we go through this time, we just want to be able then to lift our voice and worship you in the midst of, our, of, of communion. That we would be able to remember and then to lift our voices. This is our desire. Receive our worship. I invite you to the table. But listen, 1 Corinthians 11 is very clear. If you are not of the faith, do not partake. The Bible warns that those who partake that are not in the faith bring judgment on themselves. The scripture demands that we all examine ourselves. And that's what we want to do. 1 John 1, 1 1-4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 